Episode of Battle of the Atom. This is the weekly X-Men podcast where we rank stories from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. Man, that was a weird spooky thing at the start there. I wonder whatever that could be, Adam. I think we're getting closer to Halloween. It is. It is, guys. This is the week of Halloween as you listen to it. For us, it's, I mean, it's still mid-October. Uh, I have my Halloween decorations up. We're getting closer. We have pumpkins on our porch. Does that Wow. Count? Are the squirrels eating them? I'm always afraid to buy pumpkins too early. I feel like the, pump, the squirrels are just like, mmm, lunch. <laughs> I don't have a lot of squirrel-based problems in my life, if I'm going to be very oh. honest with you. I, I'm envious of you. I don't know. They seem to be, uh, they have like little squirrel gangs in my neighborhood. Anyway. Now, squirrel gangs aside, <laughs> those squirrel gangs, that that would be a good horror movie. That's like the purge mixed with, <laughs> the I don't know, up. Oh, the birds. Yeah, yeah that's also a horror movie, I guess. Uh, but no, today we are actually taking a break from our Patreon guys, and they're still great, and gals, and really everyone. I'm using that as a very inclusive guise because the English language is still growing and learning and evolving, as we all are. But we are taking a break from Patreon requests to celebrate the spectacular month of Halloween. And we thought there would be no better way to do that than with some scary stories. <laughs> yeah, some of these are scarier than others, and for a variety of different reasons. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go with a story about vampires. Now, Adam, you're aware that the X-Men have a long and fabled history with the Draculas. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I believe on our list, we've talked about uh, their run in with Dracula, um, who, you know, is very much in love with Storm. But that's not the only time they've run into Dracula. No, they've run into a lot of Draculas, vampires, uh, a Frankenstein or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And... There's this one time where uh, all the Draculas came to their island to try and kill all the mutants for just, frankly, unexplained reasons. It's called Curse of the Mutants. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like a curse. Uh, a curse of the mutants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is X-Men Volume 3, numbers 1 through 6. This is mm -hmm. written by Victor Glesher with pencils by Paco Medina. And this was the this is the core title of a very big event. Yeah, how many books are actually in this? You know, we're just covering one through six, but there's also like bookends to this, right? And crossover stuff. So there were because I I may have ended up reading all of the Curse of the Mutant stuff oh, recently. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I sure made a choice. Yeah. But there was a three or four issue arc in Namor's solo book that started at the same time of this. Mm -hmm. There was an issue, a couple one shots. There was one about Blade. 
one about Storm and Gambit, one about the X Club, which isn't as good as I want it to be, and another uh, two-issue kind of anthology book that has a lot of different short stories about X-Men and vampires. Nice. Also, and I think this is a good way to discuss a lot of my feelings about Curse of the Mutants. Before this, Victor Glesher wrote a oversized one-shot called The Death of Dracula, where he killed Dracula, also gave him a very Final Fantasy-ass-looking outfit before he killed him <laughs> and had Zarus take over. That's Dracula's son, right? Yes, it's it's his son. Uh, yes. not, not his son from Castlevania, Alcard, mm. who is reverse Dracula. Yeah. Uh, no, this is this is a bad, bad son named Zarus who has found a pendant that can make vampires uh, be able to stay in the sun. Also, there's a bunch of vampire clans now. Did you know that, Adam? Yes, there's uh, there's all kinds of ones. I'm not sure that I really understand what they all are, but they all kind of look a little bit different. Some of them are a little gargoyle-y. Uh, some of them just look like normal people. And they all seem really interested in turning mutants into vampires, which makes for uh, it, it makes sense that the X-Men are involved here, I guess. Yeah, it's one of those things that I find a little odd. It's it's someone trying to write in an explanation that never needed to be there. Yeah, like we were willing to accept that there's just a bunch of different vampires and they follow whatever rules that you need. We don't need to know that there's like 40 different vampire clans all vying for power. No, it, it definitely gets a, a little bit too involved in the politics because, um, you know, X-Men versus vampires. I'm in. That's fine with me. I mean, OK, so <laughs> I'm less in because this is what happens a vampire in a gimp suit explodes in the middle of san francisco mm-hmm. and his blood gets on a bunch of people including a depowered jubilation lee no who's having lunch with pixie but somehow pixie misses the blood explosion yep even though they're standing literally across a table from each other a very small bistro style table yep and then that drives uh, that drives Jubilee into a bloodlust and she wants to become a vampire. So she goes to become a vampire and then all the vampires try and take on all the X-Men. So the X-Men have a really good idea. And Adam, what's their really good idea? Oh, well, since Dracula is dead, they're going to put Dracula's head back on Dracula and tell him to go and, you know, kind of retake the throne. Um, and it's really funny. <laughs> Okay, we got to talk about this. Yeah. First things first. The plan to fight all of the vampires is to convince the most powerful vampire that he should also fight vampires. Yes. The X-Men are friends with the Avengers right now. Like, (laughs) this is just after Second Coming. Cyclops just got the Presidential Medal of Honor. This That's a real (laughs) thing that had just happened in continuity like the month before. They basically put Dracula back together like a Lego minifig. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> They're like, Namor, go get his head and then take the stake out. And it's just like, bing, Dracula's back. It's great. It's such a choice. And then uh, Wolverine gets turned by Jubilee into a vampire. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You, you oh. forgot what Cyclops tells Dracula. Oh, to- that he... He just wants him to follow his heart. I just need you to follow your heart, Dracula. Okay, yes. Then uh, Wolverine becomes a vampire. 
right? Not because the Lord of the Vampires. He's just a regular no. vampire at this we'll point. We'll get there. We'll get there. And then it turns out that Cyclops has kind of like booby-trapped Wolverine and reactivates his healing factor, and they kick some butt, and that's kind of the end of the story. Well, you did skip the part where a priest who's definitely was supposed to be Nightcrawler before Nightcrawler died uh, when the story was initially pitched blesses Bobby Drake so that his entire body is holy water. Oh, right, right. I, I think we missed something else, too, because you know who else is here? Is it Blade? Yeah, the Daywalker's here. He wants yeah. to fight Dracula. So you don't like this, right? No, this is a bad story. And here's why. This story is a story with a lot of goofy stuff happening. And the fact that some stories are on this list pretty high tells you I like some goofy stuff in X-Men stories. But what works about goofy stuff in X-Men stories is when it knows it's being goofy. This story is written 100% serious because Victor Glesher really wanted to establish Dracula's as the big thing in the Marvel Universe like they were in the 70s horror comics, and it just doesn't work. And I can tell that he's very serious about it because he's the only one who cares about these Dracula politics. And in his entire run on adjective lists, all he's talking about is these Draculas and how serious they are. So any amount of levity in jokes, like I gotta imagine beyond the holy water thing, they're all unintentionally funny, and that's it. They you were really not meant to be. You don't think there's like there's you don't think there's any tongue in cheek stuff going on here because I I'm reading this and it really did strike me as like intentionally silly in some places. You think it's really played like 100% straight? I think that the here's why I think it's played straight. Okay. Because everything around it is played straight. All of the tie-ins are played straight. The Death of Dracula one-shot at the beginning is played straight. All of the stuff that comes after this with these different uh, Dracula clans is played straight. I kind of think Paco Medina, I think his art, which is real good in this, I think he's kind of pushing it in a bit more of a humorous direction in some places because... Oh, sure. Because I think he read this script and he said, so this is what I'm working with. Yeah. Let's have some fun. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to go out on a limb. I had never read this before and I liked it. And I know I'm not supposed to like this. I know this is supposed to be like one of those terrible things. And uh, I have my beef with it, especially the Jubilee angle, which um, I really do not like that Jubilee is the center of this because it doesn't make any sense. And it's stupid that she's a vampire for, you know, however many years that was. Uh, thank you, Strain, for fixing that one. But I have to say, reading it, I thought it was kind of fun. You know, it was X-Men and Blade teaming up to basically be inside of a Ghost Rider comic. It kind of reminded me a little bit of like a brood in the Big Easy kind of a thing. I, I don't know. It I don't. I, I can see that. I get it. But I also hate this comic so much. It's like oh. there is a there's a good idea of this story. There's a good version of this story. And it's X-Men 92 number one through four, The World is a Vampire, where they just <laughs> do this comic. Like, here's the thing. I think Chris talked about it when he was on our podcast. Mm -hmm. If you go reread that, 
Alpha Red is just, you know, this version of Dracula. Yeah, no, it's true. And that is a much better version of this story. Uh, Jubilee is a vampire and all. Um, but I, I didn't think this was terrible. You know, the art is pretty solid. There are some some interesting choices being made uh, with people's bodies in certain places. But um, overall, I didn't hate it. I actually kind of enjoyed going along for the ride. I imagine if you can shut off your brain, you can enjoy this in the same way that some people are enjoying the current feature film Venom. Sure. I haven't seen Venom. I've heard it's kind of like goofy, silly fun. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how I looked at this. Like, I wasn't taking it super seriously. I didn't I didn't think that the writer was taking it super seriously. So I, I just I just enjoyed it. I cannot believe that Glesher is not taking it seriously with everything, with the larger context. I, I would agree with you if I only had these six issues and all I had was Cyclops saying, I just want you to follow your heart. <laughs> okay, maybe. But yeah. like, there's some dumb plotting stuff in this. Like, I, I do want to get, touch on this one point, and I know we need to rank this story. But the whole turn, so one of the things, and Adam talked about it, he Cyclops turns off Wolverine's healing factor so that Wolverine can secretly become a vampire and doesn't tell Wolverine about it. And then Wolverine leads the vampire army to Utopia and then Cyclops turns on his healing factor to unvampire Wolverine to have him stab a bunch of people for him. Yep. And that's the stupid, like that's Batman bat God levels of <laughs> preparedness that I hate from Scott Summers. Like I want him to be thinking on his feet and not be, 4,000 chess moves ahead of everyone saying, well, I can't be beaten. Look how far ahead I think. I don't like it. I like when he has a lot of plans because he knows most of them are going to fail, but he has to be prepared with something and one of them might work. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, this is kind of indicative of Utopia era Scott is that he's like the master strategist, but it, it, the plan is silly and it is the only one. Um, so I, I can understand that. So it Let's, sounds like we're pretty mixed on this, um, but I, I I feel like we're coming from two different perspectives. Me of sort of the novice, uh, haven't read the rest of this run, and you you've got the context. Um, mm -hmm. So where where does this go on the list? It is not better than number one hundred one on our list. X Men Ghost Rider Brood Trouble in the Big Easy. Right there with you. Right there with you. Um, not even close. No, that is a super fun story and it has some nostalgia factor for me too. So how low do you want to go? Because you seem to have a little more animosity about this than I do. Here's what I'm going to say. Okay. I'd rather reread those two issues of X-Force where Adam X and Shatterstar team up to fight Arcade. Yeah, we have that down at 133. Um... I would, well, I, I'm with you on that, but I think I might rather read this than Judgment War. Wouldn't, wouldn't you? I mean, there's fun vampire stuff and Blade I, and... <laughs> I think I equally don't want to read both of them. Okay. okay. But I think that's a good spot. I think that is a good spot for it. As yeah. our number 134, X-Men Curse of the Mutants. A story nice. that did better than I expected. <laughs> well, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to like it, but I thought it was kind of fun. Now, I mean, look, you do you. Well, and I think 
we may have some different perspectives on this second story because um, this is a sequel to something that we covered in our last Halloween episode. So um, what is this? This is a what if story, right? Yes, this is a what if number 37 written by Roy Thomas and with pencils by Mark Baselia. This is what if Wolverine was Lord of the Vampires during Inferno. Yeah, gotta gotta have that little caveat because this is a direct sequel to what if wolverine was lord of the vampires well it's a what if to a what if which is just bizarre because it doesn't pick up at the end of what if wolverine was lord of the vampires it picks up on an alternate end of what if wolverine was lord of the vampires where the (laughs) punisher doesn't become doctor strange and kill wolverine well and this is also from a very strange era of what if where there is actually continuity to the what if yeah, uh, uh, we didn't realize that this was a tie-in to a what-if event called Timequake, I think? Uh, yeah, Timequake is a five-part thing where Amortis is messing around with the timeline, and there are these weird sort of like episode Star Wars Episode One dudes like in cloaks walking around policing the timeline. I, I didn't understand a word of any of that, did you? Oh, no, that was all gobbledygook gibberish. <laughs> And I have no intention to find out more. No, I tried to look it up just to figure something. And I was like, this is not interesting. Um, So we do lose a little bit of page count to that. But uh, the main plot here is that Wolverine is Lord of the Vampires, like he was the last time we we covered it. Which, to Um, be clear, the last time he was Lord of the Vampires was very good. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We loved that issue. Um, Punisher becomes Doctor Strange and <laughs> kills with like silver laced gloves. And it's it's a blast. Um, this is a very different issue from that. Would you agree? Yeah, this one kind of sucks. Uh, I got to say the Mark Pacella art here is killing me. It's so bad. It's very bad. Like, here's the problem with this. I read this comic probably about two, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I was I was prepping for this episode. I sat there and I said, I don't remember a damn thing. I don't <laughs> I don't know what happened to that comic at all. So I had to go back and flip through it again to try and pick up anything to be able to talk about it. Because kind of nothing happens. I forgot that it was a weird tie into a bigger what if event. Yeah, and kind of nothing happens, but kind of a lot happens because we're in Inferno. We've got sinister fighting vampire exterminators who don't really look like the characters except for Boom Boom. Um, we've got Nastir plotting something. Dormammu is in this issue. Sim is around. Yeah, the Phoenix is here. And it's just kind of hard to follow because, like I, I just said, the art is... Um... Bad? Well, like, you've got certain panels where... Pachella is straight up tracing over Jim Lee and in others where he's going really lifeold. It's, it's this weird combination of, I don't know really what I'm looking at. You know what I mean? No, it's, it's everything people complain about when they complain about nineties art. Yeah. It's kind of like that era in the nineties where you were getting like the third generation grunge bands. Like we're already here with, with image art in Marvel so you're saying this is the collective soul of uh, of Marvel <laughs> artists? I don't know. I think collective soul shine might have a little more value than this uh, artwork here. Like there are just these weird things that are happening. Like there's a panel where um, Madeline Pryor's butt 
her her butt cheek is like extending off of the panel for no reason whatsoever um like i said there's clearly panels here that are like there's a panel of the phoenix the dark phoenix that's very clearly traced over um jim lee's what to come artwork in x-men number one there's some poses here that look like they're they're pulled from other things and it, it just doesn't i don't know visually it's such a mess well visually it's a mess and structurally this story is it's a rough one because kind of what happens is someone fights someone and then someone bigger shows up to fight them and kill them and then someone bigger shows up and then someone bigger shows up and then eventually the phoenix shows up and that's it it kind of just ends because wolverine gets transported into the next part of this crossover yeah it doesn't even resolve itself um you know i i think the resolution to the story is that since the lord of the vampires got sucked up by the guy in the shroud who i think by my research is actually a mortis who's messing around with this whole timeline situation i mean that sounds like him that sinister is going to repopulate this this timeline with clones of the x-men i mean like, sure that's like a panel the the rest of this time quake stuff gets in the way of it so this yeah, is this not is... nearly as fun as uh what we had covered in in prequel like this is what happens when what ifs go bad this is <laughs> trying to do so much in such a tiny, tiny page count that nothing feels relevant, nothing feels earned, like events just keep happening, but you don't care. No, and there's weird stuff. Like there's a page where Wolverine throws his arms in the air and says, the winner and new champion. Like, wait, what? Wolverine does not talk like this, whether he's a vampire or not. Roy, Roy the boy. Oh, man. It's weird. Like, I know we had the exact discussion when we talked about the first Wolverine Lord of the Vampires, where I don't think Roy's taking himself all that seriously. Right. And I think the exact same thing here. I don't think Roy Thomas is taking himself all that seriously here, but I think this is bad. Yeah. Well, yeah, the crossover doesn't do it any favors, but it just becomes nonsense, both in its writing and visual. It's a mess. It's... It's not the satisfying sequel to a very, very good what if that I wanted. And that's sad because we did like the original one so much, but um, the, you're, you're going to be hard pressed to, uh, you know, get anything meaningful out of this. Um, so it was kind of reminding me of like that last issue of the Shatterstar saga where the art switches and you're like, I don't know what's going on anymore. I don't know how low you wanted to go on the list. I mean, it's worse than Curse of the Mutants, and that's hard. Yeah it's it's not very good um i so i mean would i rather read psylocke and archangel crimson dawn maybe i i think i might <laughs> just because that's a story with a beginning and an end that i might actually understand i Whereas... think i might i i honestly think i might actually reread the shatterstar saga from x-force i i think i might too um it's about as messy as the original Avengers versus X-Men crossover from the Silver Age. Is it better than the X-Men 100th anniversary special, which was another weird, ooh, bad what if? Ooh, that's taken it. I think this, I don't know. I never, <laughs> I never want to look at that anniversary special again. Do you? No. No. I mean, this at least has like 
I don't even know what like, the value of this is. Destruction is probably better than this, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that has that sewer issue, so you know, it has a spark. That at in least it. has that one really good gag. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this, okay, is this one fifty three? What if Wolverine was Lord of the Vampires during Inferno? It's a very unceremonious and spooky 153 on our list. <laughs> that is a disappointment, I have to say. I was looking forward to reading it, and when I did, I was very disappointed. Like, I was so excited to know that a sequel to it existed, and like all sequels, it let me down. But yeah, yep. we got a different story on this list. We got a last one. Mm -hmm. This comes to us from the year 2000. You know, the millennium. Y2K, as some call it. And this is from the book Generation X. This is number 62. It's a one-shot called Monet, Vampire Slayer. It was yeah. written by Jay Faber with pencils by Matt Smith. Mm -hmm. And, Adam, and a, couple, a couple other pencilers. We've got kind of like a team of, of pencilers and inkers that take over on individual pages, right? So a uh, little bit of a mix here. I'm sorry, you, you were going to ask me something. I was going to just ask you, Adam, what happens in this comic where you, we are promised Monet slaying vampires? Well, uh, I, I think I've mentioned this uh, when we did uh, some Whedon Astonishing. I was a big teenage Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. I uh, loved the show when it was on, um, at least for the first couple of, of seasons. And so when I was getting ready to read this, I was like, oh, cool. They're going to do kind of like a, a spoof on Buffy. That's eh, not really what this is. Um, Monet yeah. has kind of gotten sick of going to uh, school with Generation X. So she enrolls in private school. And the dean of students, I guess, uh, is a vampire. And she stops him. That's about it. Yeah. There's not much more to it. It just kind of happens. Yeah. The cover's really good. The cover just says Monet Vampire Slayer. And it's Monet holding a, you know, like a stake. Not yeah, like a, uh, not like a T-bone, like the one that would be most relevant in a vampire-based situation. Mm -hmm. Early Terry Dodson looks really great. There's a, there's some really cool uh, artwork inside that is you know kind of emulating a Kevin Nolan or a Mike Mignola style. Um, and I was kind of hoping that style would continue through the book, but because the artist switches up, there's a couple of pages that don't don't match towards the end of the story. So this is the end of Jay's run on the book, and he actually had a pretty decent long run on the uh, on the series. And unfortunately, you know, it got cut short with the 2000s revolution counter X stuff. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of an unceremonious end to all of that. And that's unfortunate uh, because this issue is not the most indicative one of his work on the series. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not terrible. Um, I think it's fine for, you know, a standalone, just kind of a one-shot deal. Uh, let's Monet be Monet. And, uh, you know, you could do worse with uh, telling a little offshoot story for a single character. But it is odd as like a, a farewell issue, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a one-shot. It's got a vampire, and Monet stabs him. And that's yeah, it. That, that's about it. And, uh, you know, it's it's fine for what it is. but. It certainly doesn't make a huge lasting impression. Yeah, that's disappointing. <laughs> it's Sorry, so I, I, exciting that we the, the book has Zach yawning. Um, I'm, I'm sleepy. I have a child who's been singing the Halloween Town song from Nightmare Before Christmas for a very long time. Yeah, that's a good one. 
It is. He's dressing up as Jack Skellington for Halloween. He's very excited. His costume just came in today. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. good. All right. So we have a couple other Generation X's on the list. Um, we had the last time we talked Gen X, we talked about the Underground Special. This is not as good as that for sure. And then uh, where did we put that time where they fight where Chamber fights Omega? Yeah, Red? that's down at 112. So is this better or worse than that? I don't think it's better. No, I don't think it is either. It's certainly not as uh, as memorable. That had some cool character beats in it. Uh, that was, you know, like Lubdell party. Uh, yeah. So where's this going? This I think this memorable. is better than Deadly Genesis at 128. Okay, I can get behind that. Uh, I think... It, Oh, you know, it's strangely on par with like the murder grandpas, right? Like, it, it yeah, kind of doesn't know what I it is. It doesn't know what to do with itself. And it's not that memorable, you know? Yeah, I think that's a good thing. I think this is a bit better than the murder grandpa's story. I'm OK uh, with that. But I don't think it's as poignant as the death of Colossus. No, no. For all the, the weirdness in that issue, that was still a, a little bit emotionally affecting where this is not. Um, so is this our new 126? This is our new 126, Monet Vampire Slayer. Nice. And that right. does it. That was a fun little spooky, uh, spooky, spooky Halloween episode for y'all. Yeah. I hope everyone has a nice thirst for blood. Uh, you know, make sure that uh, you're safe out there on that Halloween as you trick or treat. Yeah. I mean, look. Guys, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably shouldn't be trick-or-treating. Let's just let's just throw this PSA <laughs> out there. You're probably probably have aged out of it, and that's fine. You can buy candy though. Hey. Or well, I was gonna say we don't know. I mean, there may be some uh some some teenage hooligans out there who are gonna be that kid who shows up at my door and says, This is my costume, and they haven't actually dressed up, and I still give them candy because I'm a nice guy. See, I <laughs> wouldn't do that. I'd say go no. Halloween somewhere. Come on. <laughs> Get into it. I'm too well, late. Well, I sit there in my Wolverine bodysuit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only Halloween costume I have. It's very old, but mm -hmm. I don't want to buy a new one every year. And my wife sometimes makes me dress up. There you go. Well, at least you got one hanging around Yes. Um, my or was going to be or you can save all of that candy money and just toss over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files that supports this whole enterprise. Uh, if you support at the $2 a month level, you can uh, make a request to get a story you want talked about and we'll craft a whole episode around it. We got some really fun ones coming up soon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so get excited about that. Uh, but what else you can be excited about is Adam Reck and where you can find him online. Uh, guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. We've got new pages of Bish and Jubes issue four attack on the mansion coming out every X-Men Monday uh, through December. And I think I mentioned this retcon X collaboration that I'm doing where we've got some new music coming out. Um, but I still don't have a release date for it. So at some point that will come out, but I like to keep teasing you guys about it. So, uh, yep. so wait for that. Oh, and uh, the exceptional uh, guide to zine baking or something like that. 
um, has hit its goal, which is awesome. But now we're going for stretch goals. So if you if you haven't ordered your copy yet, do it because it's going to be awesome. And I think this is the last week for the Kickstarter. So oh, uh, okay. Well, as we record it right now, they've still got several weeks. But again, when people hear this, when this and when out. we are living, are in different temporal spaces. We're, we're time traveling. Yes. I mean, in a sense. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can find my stuff at oh, where's it called? Zavifiles.com. It's where I've got all the latest X Men news. Uh, some articles sometimes some other stuff that's where this podcast is you can also yeah. go over to twitter.com slash xavier files where i tweet about twitter things mostly x-men sometimes not sure it just depends uh next week though we got a real treat for you because you know who we're gonna be talking to uh i think it's pretty much our highest profile guest yet right i mean this is like kind of a big deal who are we talking it's to zach it's one I'm really excited about. We're talking to Fabian Nicieza, you know, the guy who created Adam X, the X-Treme, and also who wrote some really good X-Men and X-Force and, like, Cable and New Warriors and Cable and Deadpool and NFL Super Pro and just so many things. I'm excited. It's going to be great. But until then, this has been Battle of the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it! comics podcasts is unpredictable yeah like is the episode going up at 9 a.m eastern or pacific when you least expect it or are they going to skip a week again everything changes i mean i do love a good bonus episode they are coming oh oh is it a guest acts of friendship the comics podcast crossover Oh, I see what they did there. Coming November 2018. Wait, what are you doing here?